Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Chad Collins from the Marketing on Demand show. And if you want to learn how to build better relationships, you've got to be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my man, Travis Chappell. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I am chatting with Chad Collins. Chad is an American entrepreneur where he is the founder and CEO of Collins Commerce Incorporated. He's an inventor, author, speaker, active philanthropist, and staunch Lego fanatic. His event production company produces nationally acclaimed family events that include Brickfest Live, a logo fan experience, Comic-Con for Kids, and Mindfair, an official Minecraft community event. He holds two Guinness World Records for ticket sales and was featured in Gary Vaynerchuk's New York Times bestselling book, Crushing It. In addition to his event production company, Chad is also a thought leader in the digital marketing space with a focus on text message marketing. 
He's the host of the Text Message Marketing Summit and the upcoming Marketing on Demand Summit. In 2012, at the request of his seven-year-old daughter, Jordan, the daddy-daughter duo started a YouTube channel all about Lego. 500 videos and 12 million views later, Chad created the number one touring Lego convention in the USA, Brickfest Live, and retired from corporate America back in January of 2014. Guys, this is what entrepreneurial dreams are made of. And I can't wait to get into some of the specifics here with Chad on the show today. But first, really quickly, if you are a podcaster, YouTuber, blogger, content creator, and you want to interview high-level people like Chad and like so many other people that we've had here on the show then head over to this new software that my team and I put together. It's called Guestio. Guestio.com. Head over to Guestio.com. Create your free account and just start browsing the list of potential guests that you can bring onto your content over there. There's an entire free marketplace where you can connect with people. There's an entire paid marketplace where you can bring on high-level folks that typically would just take months and months of reach out and layers and layers of gatekeepers to get to. Um, you can go directly to Guestio and pay them to be on your show. So that's guestio.com, G-U-E-S-T-I-O.com. Head over there and check out the large selection of folks that is growing every single day. Guestio.com. Chad, what's up, man? Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. What's up, Travis? Great to be here. Well, look, I was reading through your bio, man, and doing a bunch of this stuff for preparation for this interview. Like I said, when I started this off, this is the entrepreneurial story to me. This is what I love about the age of the internet and the online entrepreneur. And uh, I know you are featured in Crushing It and then a couple other Builder Network guests like John Lee Dumas, Pat Flynn, I think were also featured in there. And just several people that uh, are are friends of mine that are in this space that basically just created revenue out of passion, which is really essentially what your story is. So I want to start like at the way beginning before we before we jump into some of the specifics here and build some context for people listening. So prior to all of this, you were obviously in corporate America, but let's even go further back than that and talk about like high school Chad, what were, uh, you know, high school Chad's hopes and dreams and, and how did those end up going for you? High school Chad. Okay. High school Chad was like this long haired dude that oftentimes had like a video camera. I was like, I made like the senior video, right? I was like that guy. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, so we would go on class trips. I was in band. So I'm painting like this really awkward picture of myself, but I think that's how we all <laughs> kind of were in, in high school. I didn't know when, you know, kind of like what college I was going to go to. I could tell you that, you know, I didn't graduate at the top of my class, actually far from it. So when it came to like what my career path was going to be, I really had no idea. I was fortunate enough to get accepted to Penn State and not even main campus, like Penn State Altoona campus, where I went for two years. And then, you know, quickly realized that, you know, look, if schooling wasn't going to work for me in high school, it wasn't going to work for me in college either. And then, and then kind of found, found my way post like formal education. Post formal education. So can you describe what you mean by found my way? So my GPA was less than stellar at Penn State (laughs) and uh, came home and didn't really know exactly what I was going to do. Right. I was like, you know, that you know, whatever you want to say, college dropout that kind of, you know, didn't know what my passion was. I kind of had hobbies, but I didn't know what I wanted to pursue. You know, we had a family, my my family has always been in business. They're they're very entrepreneurial. They had a jewelry business. I would go into like the home office and my grandfather was there and saw me kind of whipping around on the computer that they had. And I'd always been very into tech. So I was like an early adopter of 
the internet going on Prodigy when it was dial-up. And even at Penn State, I was in the computer lab more than I was anyplace else, just kind of like discovering the internet and what it was all about. So my grandfather kind of was paying attention to that. And he was like, man, he's like, how about I take you to the computer store and I'll buy you whatever you want. Um, and at the time it was CompUSA uh, for all you old heads out there that are listening. So he takes me to CompUSA and I bought a piece of software called Front Page 97, I want to say. And basically it was like a drag and drop web building tool. So mm. think about something like ClickFunnels, yeah. but, but like, you know, software you had to install on your computer. And so I got it, I installed it. He saw me whipping around on it. It came really naturally to me. And he suggested that I enroll in like a computer science school that was dedicated to just, you know, computer science. And I ended up going at his guidance and graduating that at the top of my class and then becoming a network engineer where my first job was with Lockheed Martin uh, in Philadelphia. So that was kind of like the... (laughs) you know, how I found something I really loved. And at, the, at that time, it was, it was IT. Like I just loved, you know, whipping around computers and networking and engineering and, and all that stuff. Yeah. How, how old were you at the time? I was 20. I was 19, 20. Okay. And so is this kind of the career that you embarked on from that point forward? Yeah. So from 1998 to, you know, from 98 to 2006 or so, I was with Lockheed. And then I went to a startup. So Lockheed being like one of the biggest companies ever. Yeah, right. Uh, then, then I went to a startup. Uh, I was recruited away from Lockheed. And now I was with one of the smallest companies ever. So it was kind of neat to be able to see, all right, there were all these systems and processes with this huge company. And then I go to this really tiny company and there's like nothing. And so right. I get to use all of these skills that I learned from being you know, at Lockheed and bring them to you know, this really fresh new company. So I, so I think, you know, when it comes to starting your own company, to me, it's like people want to jump into it right away. Like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start something where I really didn't start my entrepreneurial journey until I was in my mid thirties. And, and I feel like the experience that I got from a working with Lockheed, B working with a, a startup that was brand new. I took those experiences and took the things that I like best from each of those worlds and now when I go to launch my own company, I kind of already have, I already know the frameworks that work from a business operations standpoint and a marketing standpoint to try and grow this thing myself. Yeah. It's, I mean, you got to learn it at some point, right? Like that, I'm, my wife and I've had this conversation recently because of, you know, I recently launched a, a software company and that's kind of what I'm figuring out right now is like, wow, I, I, I've never been a part of a software company before. I've never, you know, had these experiences and things. It's like, man, well, I, I, I wish I could have spent the first few years of my career in this world rather I come from a door-to-door sales background, I did door-to-door sales yep. for six, seven years. And it's not that I'm not thankful for that, you know, those lessons that I learned on the doors, but it also is like, okay, well now at this point, I got to start from scratch in terms of learning how to build a software company. Like, uh, how do you do that? You know? So I think that some people, like you said, heavily discount the uh, job world, uh, and especially in the entrepreneurial space, like it's fr- almost frowned upon that if you have a job, and and I, I'm just totally in, in disagreement with that. And it sounds like you're the same. 
So what was the thing that that new company recruited you for? And how did that experience at the startup end up going for for you? Oh, that experience was great. Um, they, they recruited me primarily because the industry that we were in was the parking industry. So fascinating, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thinking about parking tickets and booting cars and stuff like that. Ooh, um, yeah. But the, the reason I, I believe that they, you know, that, that I know what was a big factor for them is, is um, experience within the industry. So, you know, we we're going to talk about, I know, connections and, and networks and stuff like that. But oftentimes, you know, companies recruit you out of other companies because of the networks that you have. Right. And, and I know that was, a, that was a big part of it. That plus, you know, the, uh, I believe a lot of the technical know-how and implementation and, and project management uh, was probably a part of it too. Yeah, gotcha. And so was this the company that you ended up leaving when you did the YouTube channel or was this, uh, yep. was there another step in between there? No, that was it. It was, um, okay. it was Lockheed to the startup to, yeah, to, to YouTube. So when you initially started on YouTube, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you get this question all the time, but did you at all have any idea of where you were headed or was this just kind of like a fun project you wanted to do with your daughter? You know, so it was her idea. I had gone to the Lego store for lunch one day uh, with my buddy. And I, I'm like not, I'm like a work through lunch kind of person. I'm not the, hey, let's go. It's 12 sure. o'clock. Let's go to lunch. But on this particular day, I said, yeah, sure. We'll go to lunch. And we go to the food court at the mall near the office. And out of the corner of my eye, I see like the Lego logo. And I didn't even know there were Lego stores, but I told my buddy, I said, hey, is it cool if we go into the Lego store <laughs> yeah. after lunch? And he was like, yeah, sure. So we walk over there and at the back of the store, at the back of the Lego store, there's this wall of Lego bricks. And basically you can take a cup and then fill as many bricks as you can into that cup for like 15 or 16 bucks. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid, I used to literally write Lego letters to buy thousands of a single part because of like this project that I wanted to build. <laughs> and they would like always just send me back, oh, here's the latest catalog. They would never tell me how I can get these thousands of parts. But now I saw like, oh my goodness, this thing that I was dreaming of as a kid is a reality. So I couldn't help myself. And I, I bought a few cups at Lego and I brought them home and shared them with my daughter, Jordan, who was seven years old at the time. And it was her first introduction to Lego. So we start playing you know, just kind of, you know, messing around. And I didn't know this, but after we were done playing, she grabbed her iPad and just went onto YouTube and typed in Lego and started watching other people have experiences with Lego. And then she showed it to me and then asked me if we can create a YouTube channel together. So I knew YouTube from a consumption standpoint, but not from a content creator standpoint. Yeah. So I thought it'd be fun. Like I was like, sure, we can create a YouTube channel. And we did, we put, uh, you know, we put one video up, we put our second video up and that video, the second video we ever put up kind of like caught on in like the Lego community because it was about like back to engineering. It was about how to fill your cup at, to maximum capacity, basically how to get the most bang for your buck or how to get the most Lego for your dollar. If you fill the cup stacking the Lego bricks a certain way. And that video kind of got shared around and it got lots and lots of views, like 10,000 views in the, in the first couple of weeks. Mm. And the comments were, hey, when's your next video coming out? Things like that. And that motivated Jordan and I to keep putting out content. So yeah, I mean, there was no intent whatsoever to you know, accumulate 12 million views on our channel over a year and a half. 
it was just fun. It was a fun project. It reignited my passion for Lego. It strengthened the bonds between my daughter and I. Uh, it, it did all of these happy things. And then um, ultimately spawned like a bigger business out of it. Yeah, no kidding. So at what point along that you know journey were you like, okay, well, I think this is actually time for me to leave what I'm doing in the corporate world and just go ahead and go after this new, weird, unique, niche business that I've you know, stumbled on? Yeah, it, it was some time. And I think I knew we were onto something once our YouTube channel w- became eligible for monetization. And I, I think it's easier to earn monetization now on your channel. But back then, there were like a lot of requirements. You had to have you know, a certain number of views. You had to have a certain number of subscribers. Anyway, we started hitting these milestones. And we started, you know, our videos started earning money. And I, when I say earning money, I mean, you know, we're talking pennies here. We're talking like right. seven cents, you know, eight cents, 28 cents. But it were those pennies that were like, wow, okay. If I can make seven cents with this many, you know, with this many views, how many views would I need to make a hundred dollars? How many views would I need to make a thousand dollars? And then we just started putting content out there. And really the thought was we wanted to go to a Lego event and just show our audience that you could be in a room of people that were just enthusiastic as you are. And the idea was that it would just be a way for us to create and produce content and then also meet other Lego fans. Um, and kind of build, start building this community. And being from Philadelphia, I genuinely believe that there would just be an event right down the street that we could go to because yeah. Philadelphia is a pretty big city. Uh, and it turned out the closest Lego event was like several states away. And that's when the moment was like, huh, if there's a Lego event a few states away and I'm in Philadelphia and there's not one here, there's probably, if I want to go to an event, there's probably other people that would also want to go to an event. So that's when kind of like the light bulb moment was, all right, I'm going to try and create a Lego convention in the Philadelphia market and let's see what happens. Once we put tickets on sale for that event and used, you know, we used some creative marketing and and affiliates and first weekend we put tickets on sale, we sold about 5,000 tickets very first weekend. Oh my gosh. So Uh, then it was like, yeah, what's a five... (laughs) <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry to interrupt you. Was this like through, I know you said some affiliates and things like that, but I mean, yep. 5,000 tickets sold is a lot of tickets. It's was that directly through like that affiliate network? Or did you find mm-hmm. something that like somebody put out a video and it went all over the place you didn't know about? Like how, how, did, how did that much traffic come into that? Yeah, it was a combination of things. We leveraged our YouTube channel for sure. But the lion's share of that was I went to companies like Groupon and Living Social and Amazon Local. And I kind of rallied all of them and they they launched a deal for us. And it turned out that it was one of the best local deals that, that ran on Groupon that year was for our show. Wow. And, um, and it just, you know, we got, you know, is it luck? I don't know. Groupon, you know, promoted it on Facebook and then it got shared like crazy. And people were buying up tickets left and right, so much so that I literally had to call Groupon and say, we just sold 5,000 tickets. We need to like turn it off right now because yeah. I don't even know what 5,000 people in a room looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so th- we literally had to pause the campaign until we got some other operational things sorted. And then we were able to turn it back on again. And, and that's when I knew, I mean, your question was like, when did you know it was time to leave? And it was once we started seeing the revenue associated with ticket sales for the event. Yeah. 
And then thinking like, okay, well, even if we only did one or two of these events a year, you know, from an income standpoint, it's equal to or better than, than what I'm doing already. So now's the time to take the plunge. And that's just a conversation that, you know, like you, like I had that with my wife, she was on board and, you know, and I went for it. No, um, no kidding. You went for it. Yeah. So, um, so talk to me then logistically what happened after that? Like, how did you put together? Like, I mean, you're, you didn't come from the events business. So, nope. so how did you, how did you logistically be like, okay, we have people that are coming to this now, so we should probably, you know, make sure it happens or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, kind of like you, where you're like, oh man, I wish I had software ex- experience before I started a software company. So I, you know, when, when I'm asked this question, I always think back to if you can manage a project, no matter what the project is, if you, if you start with in your mind's eye, what the perfect outcome will be, and then work backwards from there, that's always been my go-to. So like, Mm. what do I want this? What do I want the event to look like? What do I want it to feel like? And then work backwards in for a sense of, all right, well, these are the steps that I need to take in order for me to get the event to look like I have it like in my mind. That's exactly what we did. So my home office became a calendar of post-it notes and I just began operating. You know, we ran the whole thing literally out of, out of my garage that first show. And then I had um, two or three part-time employees uh, leading up to the first event. And then I found a lot of companies to outsource work to. So I found staffing companies to outsource work to, security companies, decorating companies, you name it. And at the same time, found, needed to find, you know, the content for the show. Hmm, So, you know, and these were going to be people that were going to be displaying their Lego creations or have games to play or have merchandise to sell, all of that. And, um, you know, I gave myself a decent runway. You know, we had about, I think we put tickets on sale in October the event was in April. Um, so we had, you know, a solid six months to, to get our act together. Well, listen, man, I mean, you were able to then take that and move that into several different things that you have going on now. So, so now you have, mm-hmm. this was BrickFest Live, right? This is this the same Lego event or did that turn into BrickFest Live or what, what was that? Is, yeah, that's a great question. The first event, you know, because we're talking about Philadelphia, the first event was called Philly BrickFest. We still do Philly BrickFest each year. Philly Brickfest is a four-day event. We have folks in the, in the Lego community that come. We have two private days just for them. And then the public days, Saturday and Sunday, are Brickfest Live. And then the Brickfest Live events, those, you know, in a non-COVID year, tour nationwide, we'll do 10 to 15 of the Brickfest Live events each year. And then the other production that, that we're going to keep going here, and we've produced four different events, but the other production we're going to keep going here is going to be Comic-Con for Kids. We launched that last year in Philly. And that, again, is going to scale to, to several shows a year all over the country. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even 
faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Amazing, man. I, there's so many questions that I have for you. Uh, but I know now you are also doing some things in the marketing space. So I'm sure taking a lot of the lessons that you've learned tactically from growing your own businesses. And now you started a new summit, text message marketing summit, and then a digital marketing really agency looks like that uh, focuses on text message marketing. What was the yep. experience that uh, caused that that product launch? Yeah, I mean, back to COVID. I mean, we, you know, COVID hit, uh, it was March 12th, right? I mean, March 13th, I had to tell my company we were suspending, you know, operations. Hmm. We didn't know for how long that, that would be. It, clearly, it's a prolonged amount of time before we're going to be able to host events like we've had that attract, you know, eight to 20,000 attendees in a weekend. So the first thing I did after a brief period of mourning, obviously, no was what has been the biggest needle mover in my business over the last 24 to 36 months from a marketing standpoint. And we were an early adopter of SMS and text message marketing, so much so that at its peak, our text messages were generating, you know, 80 plus percent of our revenue when we were running our sales events. Wow. So I got to looking around, at, you know, like what else, what other information is out there about text message marketing? This is um, March, you know, March of late March of 2020. And there wasn't really much going on. So, and I made a lot of friends in the marketing world. So I just started kind of messaging them like, hey, who do you know that has leveraged text message marketing? Like who, who are the companies who are the founders that I should be talking to? And some of them I got referrals. Some people I reached out to cold. Some people I had working relationships with because we've used text message services and different platforms. Almost everyone I asked was like, yeah, I'll come on and, and um, jump on this summit with you. So that's kind of how I, I wasn't looking for anything. I wasn't looking to start you know, charging for services or anything like that. It was, let's just talk about text message marketing and yeah. see if there's people out there that, that find it you know, interesting enough where they want to learn more about it, they want to implement it in their business. And I genuinely believe every, every single business um, should be leveraging text message marketing. We just recently turned on a Lego Daily Deals uh, text message service that's been crushing it right out of the gate. And we're just you know a few weeks in before Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So that's going to continue to rock. But 
we got a bunch of these folks on. We, I interviewed them all and, and put the summit together and just put the information out there. From there, people started asking, hey, can you help me with my text message marketing campaigns? And by the way, Travis, I didn't have anything to sell. I have no program. I have no course. I have nothing. All I did was get a group of people together and say, let's chat about text message marketing and maybe some, maybe people will find it useful. Yeah. And people did. So, so you, you, today, I've kind of transitioned that to something I call marketing on demand. And part of marketing on demand is your messaging um, and how frequently and how, when you're messaging your people and what you're saying in your messages text message marketing is a big part of that. What's on the horizon then, man? Like you got all these things going on. I, I know that maybe you probably have some of your own predictions about what's going to happen in the event space yeah. um, in, in the coming months. So what, what's on the horizon for you? You know, tell me what 2021 is looking like. From the event standpoint, we're optimistic that we will be able to host live events in the fall of 2021. So we've rescheduled our BrickFest live events that were scheduled for 2020. We've rescheduled them starting in September of 2021. So I believe we have five events scheduled September through December of next year. So that gives us a little bit of time here to, to figure out like, what is it, what else is it that can we do between now and when we have to start ramping the events up again? Yeah. So one of those things was marketing on demand. So I figured... I love marketing. Like I have a passion for marketing and I like talking to other like-minded people about marketing. Why don't I just do a podcast, do a show where I could keep these interviews going and I can keep my network going yes. and we could geek out about marketing. So that's where the marketing on demand show and marketing on demand is. And, we're, and I, we keep getting asked, of course, you know, can I hire you for services and things like that? And we're very selective with who we work with. So right now, it's if you're doing a half a million dollars in business or more, then we, we, we should talk because I'll be able to make a few tweaks and, and get your ROI up for sure. Less than that, I'm probably not your guy. But listen to the podcast, listen to the show, get the free content that we put out there. And you know, we could be friends that way. On those agency type services that you're saying that you help people out with over a half million dollars, is this a specific type of, of marketing? Like, is this text message marketing only? Or is this something that is like your entire marketing strategy and plan and stuff like that? Yeah, it's implementing marketing on demand strategies in your business. So, so very briefly, the way I think about marketing on demand or the way I define marketing on demand, marketing on demand is a, where awareness-based marketing meets response-based marketing. So awareness-based marketing would be something like, why does Chick-fil-A advertise on Sundays, even though you can't go to Chick-fil-A's on Sundays because they're closed? Hmm. Because it's awareness-based marketing. They just want to be present in your mind so that next time you drive by, you want to pull in and get some nuggets. Direct response-based marketing that we all know and love, which is you see an ad and the ad has a specific call to action for you to click here or buy here or trade information for download a thing. But if you combine, if you had a Venn diagram and you had awareness based and you had response based where they meet would be marketing on demand. So mm -hmm. then what do we do with marketing on demand? We use something called scourgency. That is a combination of scarcity and urgency in your marketing messages to get your audience to take the action that you need them to take, whether in your business, it's buying something, scheduling an appointment or whatever else, uh, whatever other products and services uh, you're, you're offering. Got it. Got it. Just out of curiosity, how's the, how's the, podcasting experience been for you now that you've, you know, been YouTube and running events yeah. and types of content? What's, what's the podcasting game been like for you, Chad? 
Well, I love doing the interviews. I was able to set it up in a way where the only thing I have to do is record my interview and upload it to a drive. Yeah, and right. then I have a service that just takes care of everything else. So for me, the, the hands-on part is, is just showing up and, and doing the interviews, which I love. So I love that part of it. it interestingly for me, the, the growth, I believe, is very similar to YouTube. I'm happy you brought that up. Because a lot of people think, especially on YouTube, oh, I'll start putting up YouTube videos and everyone's going to watch them and we get millions of views and I'm going to be internet famous. And we all know that that's not how it goes. YouTube rewards consistency over time. And if you do have that one piece of content that people share, like that's great, but usually that's not the goal of YouTube for your channel. I think podcasting is, is similar in a sense that unless you are starting off with a huge audience somewhere else, you're not going to see a huge surge in your reach. Yeah. So you need to find other creative ways to get known in that space. So that's, that's kind of fun. It's a fun challenge to try and figure out. Well, listen, man, uh, we could talk marketing for such, such a long time because it's yeah, just such a fascinating topic. But I, I want to ask you just a couple quick questions about relationships before we wrap up. This is Build Your Network. And on the show, I, I have a kind of a staple question that I go to to kind of get this conversation moving in that direction. I'm curious to hear your answer. Who you know or what you know, Chad, which of those two would you view as being more important and why? It's who you know. It's the relationships and the people that you meet along the way. You know, why is it greater than what you know? I think that we all know, we, we all know and we're all interested in different things. And no one of us can tell anyone else that the things we're interested in are more important than you know, like my interests aren't more important than your interests, Travis, right? We each have our own interests and they're important to us. So from that standpoint, as long as you're interested in something and, and you want to pursue it, and I'm talking about from a business standpoint, you want to pursue it as your business and you're passionate about it, like that's great. Then everything else is, okay, well now I need to build my network out that complements the thing that I'm already passionate about. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. It's, it's the amplifier, you know, it's the, it's the thing that takes you further faster is those relationships and, and the people that, uh, uh, that, you, that you meet along the way. Can you think of a, a quick story before we wrap up here? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just a, a connection in your life that maybe you didn't think was any, like you didn't think anything of it when it happened, but then it ended up just turning into maybe an opportunity or a story or a, you know, moment of, of success or happiness or something like that. This is like one of my favorite stories and it's fairly recent. So we're big Eagles fans. I told you we're, we're in Philadelphia. And the year after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they made the playoffs the next year and they were playing a game in New Orleans. And my son and I uh, are season ticket holders. And so we're playing an away game. It was an away playoff game in New Orleans. And they ended up losing the game, by the way. But we get there and, and my son is like, he always has to go in early. We need to be the first ones in there. We need to go all the way down, like field level, like, you know, right in the stands. And I got tickets that were like really like right behind the Eagles bench. So like it was going to be this epic experience. And like I said, we're there early. And, um, and this guy walks up to us and kind of gets my attention. And uh, he puts his hand out and he says, hi, I want to introduce myself. My name's Don Smolinski. I'm the president of the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm like, wow, like, how you doing, Don? (laughs) And he he takes off his Super Bowl ring and hands it to me so I can like wear his Super Bowl ring. I'm like, oh my goodness. So now me and Luke are like, my son are like freaking out. Now like all these other people start coming around. Everyone wants to take a picture with a Super Bowl ring. So his ring is now being like kind of passed around. 
and all the other Eagles fans that made the trip to New Orleans are kind of playing with it. And while that's happening, Don kind of like motions to me to come down and he whispers, he's like, hey, I have two field passes. Do you and your son want to watch practice from the field? I'm like, <laughs> my goodness, like, of course. Yeah, no, nah, I'm my, good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now my, so my son is like going nuts. We go onto the field. And I say to Luke, you know, as we're kind of walking down there, I said, you know, we're going to have to send Don a thank you letter for this because it was really nice of him. So after the whole experience, we come home and Luke and I write a letter to Don thanking him. And we sent him a picture and I sent him, I think, a bunch of tickets to the Lego show that we had coming up to Brickfest Live. I said, I don't know, you know, if anyone in your office could use these, but here's a bunch of tickets. Also, I noticed that you, uh, I went on his site. I noticed that you're on the board of the Eagles Autism Foundation. And if there's anything we could do to help with the Eagles Autism Foundation, you know, let me know. And send it off, thought nothing of it. And about two weeks later, I get an email from him to me. And he asked if I wanted to be introduced to the executive director of the Eagles Autism Foundation because... At Lincoln Financial Field, they were building the first ever sensory room for those with, with, with sensory problems. If they needed to get away, there was a place for them to get away at the stadium. So that turned into, make a long story short, that turned into us creating a buildable Lego Eagles football field that is a permanent installation in the, in the sensory room there at Lincoln Financial Field. And then further like established, you know, our relationship now with the Philadelphia Eagles, our involvement in the Eagles, our involvement in the local autism community and made our events now certified sensory uh, friendly events because we know that there are so many with, um, you know, autism and a Lego kind of go together hand in hand. It's, it's used a lot in that space for sure. So anyway, that's like, a, I guess a really long story uh, and there's Incredible, more to it, yeah. but that was like kind of like one of those happenstance moments that turned into something much more. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully that's a good answer. That's a perfect answer, man. I think the, the big lesson there is just show up. And um, you know, if you're listening right now, you might not be able to uh, you know, go to a playoff football game or something like that, but the just getting out, going places and showing up, you never, know the opportunities, the relationships that could come about in those situations, and then being able to to capitalize and add real value to a relationship like that. I mean, what an incredible experience. Such a great place to end this episode. Chad, let's go to move into the last segment, something I like to call the random round. Just quick, random questions, quick, random answers. You ready? Let's go. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? I want to do play-by-play for baseball. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be? Eddie Vedder. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? I like to read, and I like to watch videos. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Not very exciting. I usually wake up. Uh, now I'm kissing my kids the, the, since they're virtual. I kiss my kids, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I fill my coffee and grab a banana. Uh, I kiss my wife, and then... My office is like five minutes out the door from my house. So then I just run over here and get my day started. What is your go-to pump-up song? I, the Tiger. What is something that you are just not very good at? Um, patience. <laughs> I don't have patience. That's, I think, my big problem, yes. As we get everything wrapped up here, Chad, what's one place online where listeners can go to connect with you the most? You can find me on Instagram at chadcollins.me. 
or you can send a text, text the word demand to 90851. Uh, and if you text demand, yeah, text demand to 90851 and I'll send you over a free guide that talks all about marketing on demand and how you can implement it in your business. So text demand to 90851, is that right? You got it. All right, 90851 text demand over there. Get to know Chad and some of the other things that he's building. Um, text message marketing is definitely the new frontier. A lot of people are talking about it, including Gary Vaynerchuk, who Chad was featured in his book. Uh, but but, but go, go reach out, say what's up to Chad, follow him on Instagram and uh, check out some of the stuff that he's doing with the Lego community and so many other things that he has his hands in. Chad, this is such a fascinating conversation. Uh, loved every second of it. Thanks for coming on the show. Cool. Thanks, Travis. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.